0: You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. When you're a 415er, 415er, 415. er 415 415 you are all about your San Francisco 49ers. And this is where you need to be for news, analysis, and, and, and more and more. Welcome to the 415 hosted by Evan Gidding and Mark Grandy. What is going on, everyone? Welcome into the 415ers on a victory Monday. Evan Giddings, Mark Grandy with you as always on the Odyssey Sports Podcast Network, coming at you three times a week. And we are coming at you on Tuesday morning because the, because the 49ers Mark made an absolute mockery of the Arizona Cardinals last night in Mexico City the final is 38 to 10 another second half shutout third straight week for the defense the offense clicks on all cylinders they are now six and four they are back in in a tie with the tiebreaker for first place in the NFC West it's a pretty damn
1: good Tuesday Mark how you doing. I'm doing well, Evan. Yeah, a phenomenal performance for the 49ers. We'll certainly dive into it here all episode, but uh, I think we can safely say uh, the most complete performance for the 49ers all year long. You mentioned the offense. I mean, the defense has been there the last few weeks, specifically in second halves, as you mentioned. uh, But the offense putting up 38 points, a season high. Carolina, the game on the road a number of weeks back was was the next highest at 37, but 38 points for the 49ers offense with all of their new weapons, just an absolutely incredible performance for the 49ers after a bit of a slow start. It took them a second to get going, but once they got going, they just couldn't be stopped.
0: Yeah. I I do want to get into that and why I actually felt like that was uh, kind of a a good sign for the 49ers, but we can say uh, the 49ers are clicking. Uh, That is, that is unequivocal uh, because they put up 38 points and like you mentioned, after the slow start, it, they just got completely rolling. And I mean, I feel like we got to just start with the quarterback and, and Jimmy Garoppolo because he threw for four touchdowns uh, that happened, hadn't happened since the game that everyone throws around as being you know his greatest performance or whatever against the New Orleans Saints in 2019. But he was 20 of 29. He was Jimmy, go get it, basically. Four touchdowns. He was, I, I, I think... Look, and I don't want to be a prisoner of the moment, but that was about as good off-script Jimmy Garoppolo as I've seen uh, maybe ever. Now, I know it's coming against a Cardinals team that's playing with a backup quarterback that is headed downhill fast as a head coach that may or may not be there next season, but this is also the type of game in which you need your quarterback to establish early that you're not going to allow an opponent to have any sort of uh, hope to remain in this game. And the Cardinals, at the beginning of the game, put up a few points, obviously did not do so in the second half. But to me, Jimmy Garoppolo was exactly what the 49ers needed him to be uh, last night and potentially moving forward, not necessarily the four touchdowns, but the efficiency, distributing the ball, and making sure that everyone got their
1: touches. Yeah, I think with Jimmy Garoppolo, what I'm seeing specifically last month, maybe last six weeks um, is, is you're seeing a player who's avoiding those turnover-worthy throws. He's still missing throws. It's going to happen. He threw uh, you know, kind of a, a hospital ball, we like to call it, to Debo Samuel, where he, he led his receiver right into a, a defensive back. It was a bit high. Debo had to go off of his feet. Uh, fortunately for the 49ers, Debo Samuel was not banged up on the play. In fact, it was Isaiah Simmons who tried to tackle Debo for the Cardinals, that was banged up on that play. He will ha- He has mistakes, but his mistakes, the difference this year is they're not turnover-worthy throws for the most part, or at least it's way less consistent. Uh, he makes those kinds of mistakes. And the other thing is what you mentioned. It's the off-schedule plays. This is something that Jimmy Garoppolo has really struggled with throughout his career. Think back to last week, the win against the Chargers, that great off-schedule play against Uh, When he found Ray-Ray McLeod, when he rolled to the right, Ray-Ray kind of read Jimmy Garoppolo's eyes and started streaking down the right sideline. Jimmy Garoppolo, a perfect touch pass over the top of the defense, perfectly into McLeod's breadbasket, and he gets a big gain. This time it was different. It was evading some pressure, stepping up in the pocket, getting close to the line of scrimmage, and then he finds George Kittle leaking out over the middle. Jimmy Garoppolo running up to the line, brought that linebacker in. He forgot about Kittle. Kittle was wide open, beyond the defense and walked in for a touchdown. So we're seeing Jimmy Garoppolo, I think, take steps in the right direction in those areas. And considering, uh, you know, this is a a multi-year starter in the NFL who's been around for a really long time, I don't know about you, but I'm surprised that he's been able to take these steps forward. I I thought that, you know, the, the quarterback Jimmy Garoppolo was last year Year before, year before was kind of the guy you were going to get for the rest of his career, but he is showing that he can improve, and it's a big reason why the 49ers are playing their best football of the year right now.
0: No, I'm 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 with you. And uh I honestly I'm not necessarily surprised. Like we've seen glimpses, I think, of this Garoppolo in 2019. We've just kind of forgotten a little bit because there's been obviously the lost season in 2020. And then last year, to me, I, I, I do think the shoulder injury, along with the, the, the hand stuff that he was going through, sort of hampered him. But to me, you're, you're right as far as the decision-making is different. I, I think the physical tools, to me, I, I've seen that before. There's been glimpses of it. But the, but the correct decisions over and over and over again are something that I think myself, along with most 49ers fans, are not accustomed to because, you know, as we're watching the game last night, and as we've been watching these games over the last couple of weeks, you're kind of waiting for the the, the Jimmy G turnover or yeah. you know, turnover worthy throw as you're talking about, but they just they just simply haven't come yet. So even when he's not throwing for four touchdowns, which he didn't against the Chargers, um, which he didn't in the win before, um, you know, threw one against the Rams, but the prolific passing numbers do not need to be there on this team. That's the other part of this too that at least was illustrated, I think, against Arizona. Everyone eats in this offense when Jimmy G is able to play point guard like he was last night. Going down the list of players that we felt, you know, were kind of highest to lowest in the pecking order, Christian McCaffrey, number one, 106 combined yards rushing and receiving, 14 touches. Number two would be Debo Samuel, 94 combined yards on the ground and through the air, 10 total touches, including that 39 yard touchdown run, um, which was fantastic to open up the second half. George Kittle, as you mentioned, four receptions, two explosive touchdown catches of 37 and 39 yards. He gets his touches. Brandon Ayuk, even though he wasn't necessarily targeted as much as the others, he was used to me in 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 a, in a way that is best suited for him which is when you need a guy to get open in tight spaces like we saw in that first touchdown catch he can do that he can create space like nobody else maybe on this roster so he gets two touchdowns elijah mitchell as far as the the, the touch total is is concerned is lower than All three of the top guys but he gets nine carries on the ground so he is your your foremost back as far as running the football to me last night was the the I don't know if we'll see it again but it's the perfect equation of how explosive this offense can be under Garoppolo with all of the weapons surrounding him and how Kyle Shanahan truly was clicking where in past weeks he was not
1: yeah and I think it shows Kyle Shanahan's trust in Jimmy Garoppolo you look at the first half the Niners ran 28 offensive plays 21 passes, seven runs. This is the 49er team that ran the ball 41 times against the Chargers. They come out the next week, run the ball seven times in the first half. Seven rushes in an entire half of football. And now they turn that around in the second half. They ran the ball more. They ran 29 plays in the second half. Uh, 21 were on the ground and eight were were through the air. Now a lot of that is because they had a big lead. And a lot of that was Jordan Mason at the end of the game when all the The starters were out. But still, in the first half, 21 throws, seven rushes for the 49ers. That says a couple of things. One, uh, Kyle Shanahan trusts Jimmy Garoppolo, and clearly Jimmy Garoppolo is playing football that deserves to be trusted. He's playing great right now. And two, the Arizona Cardinals were so worried about the 49ers' run game, what they saw on tape against the Chargers last week, that they were begging Jimmy Garoppolo to throw the ball. He took advantage. Again, 20 of 29 228 yards, four touchdowns, no interceptions, and he is making a habit of burning the Cardinals. You mentioned that game against the Saints back in 2019, December 18th. That was the previous instance he had a four-touchdown game. The other times it's happened, it's now happened four times in his career. The three other times besides that one Saints game, including last night, all against the Cardinals. Both times in 2019 against Arizona, and last night against Arizona. So Jimmy Garoppolo four career four touchdown games, three of them are against Arizona. If I'm the Cardinals in the future, I am not begging Jimmy Garoppolo to beat us because he's been able to do that almost every time he's played them.
0: Yeah, no, Jimmy Garoppolo is was fantastic and and look, I don't necessarily think that the offense under him is is going to be putting up these these 38 point totals week in and week out, but after last week where I don't want to say people were totally disappointed because it at the end of the day you did beat a Chargers team uh that at the time was above 500. it was a big game on Sunday night it got you as yourself above 500 now this win gets you on your first winning streak throughout this season three games in a row but there were kind of some concerns around I think maybe not the play calling but the aggression or just simply the the lack of results for this offense now a couple of weeks with Christian McCaffrey in and this is where I do want to give Shanahan credit and you kind of, you kind of touched on it. It's Shanahan as well as Garoppolo to me, they they looked better together off script being a little more impromptu. I mean, the first two possessions of the game for the Niners, which I can only assume uh, one, if not both of them were scripted, they, they had one first down. Like they, they didn't move the ball when Kyle Shanahan was trying to implement what he wanted out of the gate. They then score on the next four possessions so clearly kyle along with jimmy garoppolo are making the necessary adjustments on the sideline to be able to shore up this offense which was you know a little bit flat coming out similar to maybe the the sunday night game against the chargers but then immediately turned it on against arizona and a team that was begging to just be put away early um the 49ers even when they were you know only up by a score again they they just have this feeling mark of of being able to boat race teams like once they draw even, the game feels over because of how well their defense continues to play in second half of games and how the offense seemingly is getting a little bit better throughout games as well as perhaps this season so at six and four there's still a long ways to go. But the trend is up for this offense, which has been pretty much the biggest question mark because your defense, again, pitches another second half shutout. And they continue to be one of the top three, uh, top two units in football.
1: Yeah, it's certainly trending up. And you mentioned at the beginning there are 38 points. That's not going to be something they're able to do every week. Of course, not 38 points is a gigantic number when you're talking about averaging that over the course of a number of games. But individually, you look at performances, Evan, you look at. Christian McCaffrey, Debo Samuel, George Kittle, Brandon Ayuk, and even Elijah Mitchell. It wasn't something so insane from any one individual that you can just write off and say, okay, that's not going to happen again. Like, you think back to, what was it, week eight? against the Rams when Christian McCaffrey threw for a touchdown, ran for a touchdown, and caught a touchdown. You can kind of throw that out, you know, say it's an incredible performance, but also know in the back of your mind that that's just not going to happen again. Like, that is not something that you can repeat. But all these individual performances by the 49ers in Mexico City against Arizona – repeatable I'm not saying that George Kittle and Brandon Ayuk are going to have two touchdowns every game but individually they are capable of doing something like that close to that on a relatively consistent every week basis I mean Kittle four catches 84 yards that's not groundbreaking McCaffrey he had over 100 scrimmage yards but seven carries 39 yards on the ground Seven catches, 67 yards. Debo Samuel, seven catches, 57 yards. Add in three carries for 37 yards and a touchdown. Brandon Ayuk, just two catches. Of course, they both went for touchdowns. And then Elijah Mitchell did most of his work in the second half. Nine carries for 59 yards. Obviously, they were big chunk plays in there. And I think when the 49ers... You know, continue to get all of their weapons involved on the offense and get used to having all these weapons. We will see those chunk plays continue. But individually, Evan, I didn't really see anything that kind of stands out as something that can't possibly happen again. Everyone on the 49ers had good games, but I would argue that no one had this groundbreaking, incredible historic day. These are all repeatable performances for the 49ers. And while that might not always, uh, you know, translate to 38 total points, I think it's going to translate to generally consistent, high powered and high scoring offenses. And if the 49ers, uh, you know, with all these weapons score 20, 22 points like they did against the chargers, you're probably going to leave that game feeling a little frustrated because you know with what they did against the cardinals they are capable of so much more
0: yeah and mark uh well nothing really stood out you know prolifically but uh but you 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 did predict a george kittle breakout game
1: uh do you want to take a victory lap i i i did say 100 yards so i i guess i fell short there but i i did think he was going to dominate and <laughs> i mean four catches 84 yards two touchdowns You really have to thank the uh, Arizona Cardinals defense for that second touchdown because they just seemed totally uninterested in trying to tackle. And there is no way he should have got into the end zone on that one. So thank you, Arizona. Uh, This is the 415ers
0: podcast coming at you as always three times a week, Monday, Wednesday and Friday. Usually it's a Tuesday episode today after the Monday night football win for the 49ers 3810 over the Arizona Cardinals. Six and four for San Francisco, tied for first in the NFC West with Seattle. That puts them above the Seahawks for now with the tiebreaker. So they are in first place. Uh, they are in firm control of their playoff destiny at this point. And all things are are, are clicking in Ninerland. I mean, I mean who, I, I, it doesn't matter. Look to me like maybe the Colorado Springs elevation, uh, <laughs> snow practice, all of it did in fact turn out to be the right idea, Mark, because um, they did not look gassed. They did not look at any point to be uh, with a lack of energy, and I do think that with the amount of offensively, the, the amount of weapons that they have, like they 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 do have the the means to keep everyone fresh. I think, um, and and that's what we kind of talked about last week. Like Elijah Mitchell coming back off IR got the most carries on the ground over McCaffrey. This week they spread things out a lot more, as you mentioned. Mason getting in the mix towards the end. Mitchell mainly in the second half on the ground. They they not only I think have an offense that can repeat some of these performances, maybe not all together where it's clicking in the in the perfect storm, but they also have the means to keep these bodies on the field. uh, You know, barring any sort of random um, freak injury, just because they can spread it around so much, and that should also. Uh, allow them to take perhaps another step because like these guys are going to learn how to play better together to the point where it's just sub in sub out, you know, like, like McCaffrey can, can run the ball for three plays. You can give it to Elijah Mitchell. Uh, you can have Debo on the end around. You can dump it off to I. You can give it out to Kittle. Uh, th- there's just so much that they can do to lean on their opponents that, it seems like the offense right now is one that not only um, has a high ceiling, but also has a pretty high stamina.
1: Yeah, I agree with you. And you know, the, the, the altitude, I mean, you saw some cramps. There were a couple of Niners that went down early in the game. I mean, uh, Mooney Ward, but it was a groin, not related to altitude at all. Um, Dre Greenlaw was a little banged up at times. There were some, uh, some cramps Debo Samuel had a cramp at one point. That's, more than likely altitude related, but it didn't necessarily affect the 49ers' ability to perform in the second half. Meanwhile, you look on the other side, I mentioned that George Kittle touchdown, the second one he had that that totally iced the game. Uh, the Cardinals showing very little effort to try to tackle him and or just push him out of bounds. There's there's no reason they shouldn't have been able to do that. Maybe that's the scoreboard talking and maybe it's also the, the Cardinals Feeling the effects of altitude. I mean, they stayed in Arizona, did not get ready by, you know, practicing all week in altitude. And there's kind of some conflicting science behind preparing for altitude. If, if just a few days in altitude helps or, or maybe if it drains your energy before you go up and exert yourself in, in even a higher altitude. But it did seem like it benefited the 49ers in this one. And I agree with you. Um, offensively, they are they have the ability because of their weapons. And I think specifically in the run game, they have multiple people that they feel great about giving the ball off to. I mean, last week, Kyle Shanahan said something that really stood out to me, and I was kind of shocked to hear him say it. He basically said Elijah Mitchell and Christian McCaffrey have very, very similar skill sets, both running the ball and catching the ball the part that caught my ear was catching the ball because Elijah Mitchell is not nearly as accomplished of a pass catcher as Christian McCaffrey. No running back is, but still that stood out to me and and Kyle Shanahan went on to say, we don't really have a gigantic preference one way or the other on any given play. We feel they're both very similar and both very good. We put either of them in any situation and they're going to have success. Now, whether or not you actually take Shanahan at his word, it doesn't really matter. The what that means is the 49ers, as we talked about last week, specifically with Debo Samuel, they're not going to run Christian McCaffrey into the ground. And we'll likely see his touches increase, you know, as the games get more meaningful and specifically into the postseason. But right now, considering that Elijah Mitchell, I mean, la- last night in Mexico city, nine for 59 averaging over six and a half a pop. And most of that in the second half against a worn down Arizona defense. If you're getting that there's no need to, To give Christian McCaffrey more than 15, 20 touches max. He had 14 against the Cardinals. Considering that everything else is working, you do not need your stars to carry gigantic workloads at this point of the season.
0: No, look, 159 is a team, 5.7 yards per carry, along with uh, the one touchdown by Debo Samuel. One nugget on that. That was the longest uh, touchdown run since Raheem Mostert's 80-yard score in week two of 2020 against the Jets, which had a a very different ending. Uh, That was the game that I believe Garoppolo, Solomon Thomas, and a couple of others might have gone down. Regardless, it is all smiles uh, right now in 49er land because
1: they just shellacked uh, the the Cardinals on Monday Night Football. Uh, One note about that Debo Samuel touchdown run as well. Uh, So that was Debo Samuel's eighth. 10-plus-yard touchdown run in the last two seasons. That's eight touchdown runs of 10 or more yards on 114 carries. Second most 10-plus-yard touchdown runs in the NFL that span. The most, Nick Chubb, nine on 402 carries. Jonathan Taylor, seven on 483 carries. So Debo Samuel, one off the leader for most 10-plus-yard touchdown runs over the last two seasons on about a quarter of the carries.
0: Yeah, I mean, well, obviously he's, he's not a full time back, but the but the the thing is, like, when he gets the ball, there is a good chance something explosive is going to happen. That's that's why he got paid the money that he did this off is because last year he established himself as something that uh, I I don't know I I certainly hadn't seen before at least at, at the rate that he had done it um, as as the wide back this hybrid you know, sort of offensive weapon that just finds the end zone. Like it, 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 he's, he's incredible. Um, and, and Debo Samuel was, was that again last night, you know, maybe not his best performance of the season, but, but he, I think my biggest takeaway from, from Debo and I was a little bit concerned, Mark. I mean, I came on the podcast last week and said that Brennan, Ayuk is, you know, the number one receiver for the 49ers. Um, I still kind of believe that in, in through the air in a sense, but, you know how would how would Debo fit like he does so many things that are kind of similar to Christian McCaffrey but he is maybe a little more physical um maybe a little more raw but how how is how is Shanahan going to extract the best of Debo that we saw him do all of last year and who knows if he'll be able to you know keep this going or if defenses will adjust to him but because there's less pressure on him now i i do think we're going to see a lot more of you know, Debo being able to break out a different point throughout the game. I mean, he had, he had three carries for 37 yards. One of those was a 39 yard touchdown rush. Like he is, he is very feaster of famine, uh, Debo Samuel is, but when he, when he does break one, he can be a game changing type talent. And right now the Niners have, I think three, maybe four of those guys on offense that can make a play for you when you need it. Ayuk being one, of course, Debo McCaffrey, and then as we saw last night, Kittle being able, maybe not on the second touchdown, but the first touchdown, certainly uh, the yards after catch were present. So if you have four different guys that can take a ball from behind the line of scrimmage or within 10 yards of the line of scrimmage to the house or get open in tight spaces, down, down underneath the goal line, um, you have the chance to put up a lot of points. And that's the only reason that last week I felt like the offense was not clicking. You cannot say that about this game. And I would like to hopefully see um, maybe more creativity from Shanahan, especially in the red zone, which was a place that they'd been struggling a little bit this season.
1: Yeah, and in the red zone against the Cardinals, two for two, they converted two red zone opportunities in the touchdowns. I think the big number there is not that they were two for two, is that they only had two opportunities. And it's not because the offense struggled, it's because they were getting the the explosive scores. The 39-yard touchdown catch by George Kittle, the 39-yard touchdown run by Debo Samuel. So, I mean, you don't need to be as consistent in the red zone if you're scoring from beyond the red zone. And that was the case for the 49ers against Arizona. So, a big number there. A quick note on, on George Kittle and Debo Samuel, or pardon me, George Kittle and Brandon Ayuk, This is the first time since the uh, week four of the 2000 season that the 49ers had two players with multiple receiving touchdowns in the same game. The two that did it in that week four game in 2000, Jerry Rice and T.O. Those were a couple of guys that we mentioned last week as Brandon Ayuk uh, had uh, four games of six or more catches for 80 or more yards. He does not get close to those numbers against Arizona. Two catches, 20 yards, but two touchdowns. But still, he did something else along with George Kittle that puts him alongside those same Hall of Fame names, Jerry Rice and T.O. So uh, incredible performance for the 49ers and from those two guys. And about Ayuk and Debo, certainly Debo has more of the, the game breaking in his DNA as a football player. But Brandon Ayuk is just so consistently open, specifically in moments where Jimmy Garoppolo, you know, desperately needs something on third downs. On that first touchdown early in the second quarter when the 49ers were yet to score yet, they were down 3 nothing, and the offense had kind of sputtered up to that point. It was Brandon Ayuk running a whip route, runs up to the goal line, essentially cuts left quick, and then very quickly changes direction back to the right to the inside of the field. Jimmy Garoppolo hits him, and there's five yards of space on every side of Brandon Ayuk. There is absolutely no reason... That Brandon Ayuk should be able to create that much space in a condensed area of the field like the end zone. His route running lately has been impeccable, and it was on display for that first touchdown early in the second quarter. I'm not sure how many times you can see a receiver create that much space on, you know, what a play from the the five, six, seven yard line. I forget exactly where it was, uh, but that much space created by Brandon Ayuk, just elite route running, elite feet. He is getting so consistent at creating space. And that's why he's becoming one of Jimmy Garoppolo's favorite targets, specifically down there close towards the end zone.
0: So if Brandon Ayuk is, we'll call him Jerry Rice. If George Kittle <laughs> is Terrell Owens, does that make Jimmy Garoppolo, Jeff Garcia? I believe Oof. that was a,
1: that was the quarterback from 2000. Jeff Garcia. I mean, underrated quarterback. I, I just, oh be- no, just no, because no. I, he- because he came uh, after Joe Montana and, and Steve Young and Hall of Famers. I think he probably gets um, not enough credit. Uh, I mean, I, I wouldn't mind being compared to, to Jeff Garcia. No, and and, and
0: here's where I want to go with this. Uh, Jeff Garcia, by the way, in 2000 was a Pro Bowler through 31 touchdowns. Had a very had, a, had an underrated season along with his underrated career. It helped that right? he was Kansas thrown to Jerry and T.O. too. Uh, certainly did. Wish the Niners could have won more games that year. But, <laughs> but the reason I bring that up is because... Yeah, you know, we, we we talked a little bit about it earlier but but it was okay throughout this season right there's been uh Jimmy good there's been Jimmy good God there's <laughs> been Jimmy uh you know w- whatever type of um word you want to fit in for for the G there uh I I thought it was Jimmy go gotta go make a play last night like it was it was Jimmy at the improv that that's what I saw from Jimmy Garoppolo last night more so than any other time because Look and and you brought it up in the first half, which I didn't necessarily see. But Jimmy in the first half, when pressure was kind of around him, like you, you talk about the internal clock that that gets Jimmy in trouble sometimes, just because he feels like he has to get the ball out. I I honestly I do not see as much of that from him this season, Mark. Like I I don't see as much happy feet from Jimmy Garoppolo as in years past. And and maybe that's because he's got more faith in his guys that are going to be open. Maybe that's because he has more faith in his offensive line that has gotten healthier in recent weeks. But I I do feel like Jimmy Garoppolo is as well as, you know, maybe making better decisions uh, with how he throws the football. I think he's demonstrating a better awareness in the pocket. So it's kind of these intangibles that, you generally associate with either having or not having that. We've seen him kind of step into or, or elevate as opposed to his physical tools that to me have kind of always been there. It's just now about channeling them in the right direction. Uh, and last night against Arizona, I know it's a, you know, it's a bit hyperbole, but, but Jimmy at the improv is, is what I saw compared to, especially how he started out this season where it was like, as soon as he, uh, as soon as he's hiked the football and started moving around and started dancing, it was like, Oh God, where, where's this football going to go?
1: Yeah. And I, I think we were watching the game together last night. And my comment was Jimmy sometimes has that internal clock that you want a quarterback to have, but he sometimes has it in the wrong moments when there's pressure closing in on him for whatever reason, sometimes it doesn't click and he doesn't get rid of the ball and he, and he takes a sack when he shouldn't. That's, that's kind of been a story of his career when he, he either can't escape or he's unwilling to throw the ball away and he loses 8 yards on a play that could have just been an incomplete pass. And then there's moments, I think it was in the first half, I can't remember the exact situation, where the protection is perfect, but he kind of gets his, you know, Jimmy G happy feet and he, you can you can kind of feel the nervous energy and he's like, "Oh god, I I need to throw the ball away" and he makes an ill-advised throw that that, you know, maybe in in an alternate universe is an interception, whatever the case is, it just fell incomplete and, and it didn't really do much. But that was the moment where he didn't need to have that internal clock as much. You see the protection is perfect and then you can take longer, let the play develop with all these weapons The defensive backs aren't going to be able to cover for the amount of time that your offensive line is blocking to keep you upright for. So that was one where it jumped out to me there, but I agree with you in that it's happening less and less of this year as it has in the past. And I think we have to credit the 49ers offensive line for this as well. I mean, we talked a lot about Jimmy Garoppolo and the 49ers offense. This for the 49ers is the fourth time since at least 1960 and the first time under Kyle Shanahan that the 49ers have five or more touchdowns from scrimmage, zero sacks allowed, and zero turnovers. Essentially a perfect game on offense. The last time it happened, 2000, that same 2000 season. This was against the Cowboys uh, in September. Also happened in 1993 and 1961. The fourth time in San Francisco 49ers history, five or more touchdowns from scrimmage, zero sacks and zero turnovers. The 49ers led by Jimmy Garoppolo, a great offensive line, a skill position group that was phenomenal, essentially pitched a perfect game on offense.
0: Wow, how did that 2000 team only win 6 games? <laughs> it's a great question.
1: I'm we'll off to go. I mean, dive it's that like that a, a lot of deeper. these
0: stats are referring, yeah, referring back to that year. We we, <laughs> we need to do a deep dive on what the hell Steve Mariucci was uh, was doing that year. Um want to remind everyone to go download, Reddit, subscribe to the one fibers podcast. Five stars are appreciated. Uh, Evan Giddings and Mark Grandy with you as always. You can find our our social uh, at four one fivers coming at you three times a week okay it it sounds weird but we've gotten to this portion in the episode without really having referenced um <laughs> I mean arguably one of the most dominant parts of of this game and that was that was the defense uh the 49ers were were simply put great again uh in second half they did not allow a single point to the Arizona Cardinals I mean they didn't allow a point really. Uh, throughout the last basically three quarters of that game this was a defense that allowed 10 points on the first five drives 186 yards it looked like the Cardinals were kind of moving the ball pretty easily down the field with Colt McCoy at quarterback I think a lot of it had to do with how good DeAndre Hopkins was on the outside for the Cardinals but then You know, maybe it's D'Amico Ryan's making an adjustment. Maybe it's I've heard Fred Warner in past games, along with other defensive members, basically say, like, we run the same defense. The majority of the game with some small iterations, they'll dial up the blitz occasionally. But it's basically we trust that our process on defense is going to be good enough to beat you down, to out muscle you to the point where in second halves of games, you are bruised, battered, and tired because the Arizona Cardinals gained 76 yards on the next four possessions after the first five. I know they kind of have a garbage-time 50-yard drive uh, that ended in the 49er-second interception, but the defense total tonight was, simply put, great. I mean, eight uh, nine tackles for losses, uh, eight quarterback hits, along with three sacks. They, As much as you talk about pitching a perfect game on offense which they certainly did, especially when the the pressure is concerned. But on defense, for now a third straight game, they've been perfect in a second half of a game. And it's almost like we just come to expect this, Mark, because of how how, how much of a a switch that they can turn on from, all right, the floodgates are open, you can get what you want early, but as soon as we figure out what you want to do, the wall shuts down. We pull up the drawbridge because you're not getting into our castle.
1: Yeah, I mean, you look at the numbers the last three second halves against the Rams on the road 58 yards in the second half about 2.3 per play against the Chargers 52 yards 2.7 per play against the Cardinals uh, 132 yards in the second half a lot of them coming on that last drive where they got all the way to the doorstep of the end zone before Samuel Womack's first career interception four yards per play for the Cardinals in the second half in that game. All in all, their last three second halves, so a game and a half, six quarters, 242 yards, 3.1 yards per play, and zero points allowed. I mean, that is just utter domination. And I know Nick Bosa said after the game, the altitude is real. We were feeling it. This was really tough, but it didn't look that difficult. Again, the Cardinals were able to move the ball a bit in the second half, but again, still zero points. They absolutely limited uh DeAndre Hopkins who was just the go-to receiver especially when Rondale Moore went down early Um, in, in the game Hopkins nine catches for 91 yards he had seven catches for 77 yards in the first half so in the second half when the Cardinals were throwing the ball and everyone knew they were throwing the ball Hopkins one of the best receivers in the game and Colt McCoy's favorite target by a mile two catches 14 yards the Niners shut down DeAndre Hopkins in the second half, and that's probably the biggest reason why they were unable to score any points against the Niners in Mexico City in quarters three and four.
0: Yeah. No, it's uh, – look, they are a one-man band on offense with Kyler Murray out. I, I know they – I know James Conner is a pretty serviceable running back, but you're you're not going to move the ball well against that 49ers front and Colt McCoy. I, I thought also a lot of the plays – in the first half, that that Nuke did make play uh, make catches on were were kind of go get him balls. Like he Colt McCoy basically just would would throw up kind of a, a back shoulder fade and in cutting route, and Hopkins would have to go make a play. Considering like, their options, probably a pretty good call. I mean, yeah, that's that's all that I would do. <laughs> hey, uh, yeah, you see you see the you see the guy with uh, the dreadlocks there on the outside. Yeah, put that ball up in the air and see if he can make a play. That's <laughs> th- that was basically the game plan. Um, you mentioned Nick Bosa he's now got 10 and a half sacks this season. He to me is just about as close to dPOI as possible. Um, I know there are other guys out there that certainly have a case most notably Micah Parsons and Dallas especially with what they did de- what they did on defense uh, to a Minnesota Vikings team that Mark believes is a complete fraud but uh, but Nick Bosa is is maybe also playing his best football. I, it's it's so weird to think about just because of how great he was his, his rookie season, but he's still extremely young and it seems like he still has maybe even another level uh, to take it to just because wh- when he gets time Mark, it's, it's not if, but when like he's going to get to the quarterback and if they get the ball out and throw it away, great. But at some point he is going to hit the quarterback. He is going to bring the quarterback down and it also seems like he's he's kind of setting up these sacks for prime positions for this defense to take advantage of, Um, you know, whether it's it's early in a down on third down. He'll just blow up plays. And it's like I, I, I kind of feel bad for opposing offenses.
1: Yeah, I mean, he's he's phenomenal. He's the first 49er in a decade to have back to back double digit sack seasons. Alden Smith did it. Uh, In 2011 and 2012, before that, Chris Dolman, Charles Haley, and going back to earlier in the 80s, Dwayne Board. So Nick Bosa, uh, only the fifth 49er to have double-digit sack seasons in consecutive years. Uh, You mentioned the Minnesota Vikings. I have to just get this out. You mentioned I think they're a fraud. I was talking about it really all game yesterday. Uh, After this 49ers performance, after what we saw from the Vikings, I am ready to say. Mark this down. Maybe it'll prove me to be an idiot in, in a few a uh, number of weeks. The San Francisco 49ers will end up as the number two seed in the NFC. The Minnesota Vikings are fraudulent. They're now eight and two. I get it. They're two games ahead of the 49ers. So a lot of ground to make up. They have a negative point differential, believe it or not. the entire NFC North has a negative point differential. That division is absolutely disgustingly bad. The second best team is the Detroit Lions. So That's all you need to say about that division right now. Minnesota at 8-2, and two, they've won so many close games. They're probably closer to a 500 team than they are an 8-2 and two team. They're still quality. They're still the best team in that division. It's probably not all that close, but it's an extremely weak division. They don't have a terribly tough schedule coming up. They play the... Uh, Patriots and the Jets and the Lions and the Colts and the Giants and the Packers and the Bears to wrap things up but I'm telling you the 49ers they are far and away better than the Vikings team and they will finish as the number two seed in the NFC ahead of the Minnesota Vikings and they will get to host multiple playoff games when that time does come
0: well that is certainly a uh... I don't know if it's necessarily a hot take. I mean, if Minnesota falls off a cliff, I, I could see that happening. Um, the 49ers right now are in technically in third place in the NFC uh, just because, uh, ooh, I mean, Tampa right now, five and five. <laughs> Philly's got the top spot. So that puts Dallas and New York, who have better records than the Niners, in the wild card positions. Um, so yeah. So they're two games back, but they, they are similar in their sort of. Um, their victories this season both have taken advantage. I know. I know you. You talked. You talked about the NFC North being disgusting. Um, the NFC West is it, is still got a big question mark surrounding it. I know that Seattle is the second team there that is six and four, and so that automatically, just like by process of elimination, makes it it, it a better division than the North. But from what we saw last night with the Cardinals, uh, who are pretty putrid along with the Los Angeles Rams, who might as well just throw up the white flag and, and go home for the season. Uh, th- this is also not a great division that the 49ers are now 4-0 oh in. So they have taken advantage of how bad the division has been this year. Their one win against Seattle looks good, although I believe it was a different Seahawks team. Meanwhile, the Vikings, 3-0 in their, their division, 6-2 and two in conference. The Niners are also good against nfc teams five and two in conference so i guess one and two outside of the division um there's still some questions there but like this is i think going to be the battle i mean the nfc is wide open and even philadelphia you barely sneak by the indianapolis colts this weekend are a team that is three games ahead of you that's a lot of ground to cover at this point in the year but then again if you know, they, they lose Dallas Goddard. How does that affect their offense? Does Jalen Hurts regress? He's kind of a young quarterback. Minnesota Vikings have a, a team that um, has has a lot of holes, has a lot of question marks. To me, the 49ers project to be kind of the, the safest team, I think, right now, just because of how they are trending. And they've already sort of, they've gone through kind of the I I don't want to say that the midseason woes, but a lot of times we see teams have to overcome injuries, have to overcome, um, you know, kind of sputtering, downturns. Like the Niners, in a way, got that out of the way at the beginning of the season. Obviously losing the starting quarterback, which might have been addition by subtraction, but you also get, you know, Trent Williams, who goes down then comes back. You're going to get Armstead back. You're going to get Javon Kinlaw back, hopefully, at some point. Um, the injuries that that you did sustain earlier this year are now back and replenishing your offense and defense. So right now, the Niners, to me, if if you looked around the rest of the NFC and went to every single city, I guarantee that they would all say that the Niners are the most dangerous team in the NFC right now because of how they've
1: looked specifically the last three weeks. The Jacksonville Jaguars have a better point differential than the Minnesota Vikings. The Jacksonville Jaguars. I know, I know point differential isn't anything and I'm cherry picking here, but still that is, that is crazy. Jaguars are three and seven and uh, they have a positive point differential. The Minnesota Vikings are eight and two and believe it or not, they have a negative point differential. A lot of that is because of their most recent game, of course, against the uh, Cowboys where they got absolutely dominated. Um, you mentioned the Niners' success in the NFC West. It hasn't only just been winning all four games. They've won all four by at least 15 points. It has been complete and utter domination. Uh, and, And per ESPN stats and info, the 49ers are the sixth team since the 1970 merger to win their first four division games by at least 15 points. And the first, since the famous 2007 New England Patriots. So an impressive start to division play for the 49ers. If they want to win the division, they're going to need to keep that up specifically against the Seattle Seahawks. They only have two division games left, one more against Arizona and one more against Seattle. So it's certainly uh, looking good for the 49ers and their prospects in the NFC West. And if this game uh, in Mexico city is any indication when they are the, the best team in the NFC West and it's, You know, Arizona isn't a world beater by any standards. And, you know, they're playing without their starting quarterback. They have injuries on offense. Rondale Moore played a drive and then was out. Uh, Hollywood Brown, one of their other receivers, is still out. He hasn't returned yet. Zach Earth, this was his first game out. A lot of injuries there. So this also wasn't the full Arizona Cardinals. But as you're talking about, you know, everyone at home watching this Monday night game, you can kind of feel the thought around the NFC in general is like, oh, man, we, we do not want to play the 49ers in the playoffs, considering what they just did in, in that Monday night game against Arizona. They look really, really impressive. And whether or not my my take comes true, the Niners are the two seed or the three seed or, or anywhere else. Um, I don't think anyone home or away is, is going to want to play this 49er team because we saw what they're capable of at near their best. Uh, last night in Mexico City, and it is uh, very, very impressive. I mean, I think at this point, if, if you were to handicap all potential playoff matchups, maybe the only team that's favored over the 49ers is Philadelphia, and a big part of that is probably because it would be in Philadelphia. I think everyone, everywhere else, against anyone else, the 49ers are the favorites, and maybe that's a conversation for a later episode, but I think that's how the rest of the league feels about San Francisco right now.
0: Yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you. And, and we can definitely dive into that on Wednesday. So make sure to look out for the 415ers podcast coming out to 24 hours from now, uh, as well as the one right here. You can download, rate, and subscribe to the podcast. We appreciate it as always, as that is all the time that we have. Uh, thank you very much, Mark. Appreciate, of course, the 49ers uh, just kicking the Cardinals ass so we can come on here <laughs> and talk all about that, uh, the 38-10 to matchup and the win for the 49ers that puts them in first place in third place in the NFC. Um, Mark, appreciate you. Good, sir. And we'll talk to you next time. Sounds good. Looking forward to it, Evan. All right, guys. Yep.